Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. To be with you this morning. I want to open right up with the message uh, coming right out of the scripture, if we could. And so if we could go to Matthew 18, I'm going to just relay a story just as Jesus told it 2,000 years ago. Jesus taught in stories, and so we've got one for you here this morning. And so well, he, usually he would give these stories in response to a question. And so here we go. Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Here we go. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Here comes the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Tell your neighbor millions. He couldn't pay. And so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for for him and he he released him and forgave his debt. And when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Tell your neighbor, thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. When the king called the man who he had forgiven, he said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow, we've got the story. We've got the story here of a man who's being called into account to the king. He's got a debt of millions of dollars. If debt's a part of your story, and, and usually it's a, to some degree, it's, it's almost always is. We typically always have a mortgage or a car payment. And, and I can remember times in my life where I can just remember being suffocated by debt. And it's a horrible feeling to, to feel like you owe something that you can't pay. And when somebody's asking for you to make it right, and you're like, I can't do it. I'm going to keep trying. I promise it's coming. How many, how many of us, don't raise your hand, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but how many of you have told somebody collecting a bill, I promise you it's coming. Just leave me alone, let me work, I'll keep sending it, I promise. 
And this man begs the king. He says, I, I'm going to keep working, I promise. And the king says, keep going. I'm, I, I keep doing what you're doing. I forgive you. I, I release you. And then this man immediately goes and holds accountable someone that owes him a much smaller debt. Now, for me, if somebody owed me thousands of dollars, that would be a great amount of money to me, and I would, I would be worried about it. I can't loan out that much money because I don't have it. If you want 20 bucks, I'll give it to you. Maybe. Just one of you. <laughs> the same thing happens. The guy begs for mercy, and the guy says, no, no mercy for you. The conclusion to Jesus' stories is always an obvious one. He paints a picture so simple that you're like, this guy is a jerk. He's been forgiven so much. The least he can do is to extend the same grace to somebody who owes him a debt. It's, it's so crystal clear. And so we come away with our big thought for today. We're in this series. You guys are in this series called Family Values. Here's your family value for today. The forgiven forgive. The forgiven, forgive. Like, oh man, that's cute. You probably see it on a pillow at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> oh, I'll put that. If your wife has too many pillows on your couches, don't, no, don't raise your hand. But it sounds like something you'd put on a bumper sticker. It sounds like something you'd put on a t-shirt. And it's like the forgiven, forgive. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm with that. That's, that makes a lot of sense. The forgiven, forgive. Have you ever eaten something sneaky hot? Like where you're just minding your business and you're thinking, man, this is good. And then all of a sudden you hit like a Thai chili pepper in whatever Chinese dish you're eating. Or you hit some jalapeno that just has a little bit of extra zing on it. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm just minding my business and something sneaky hot comes in. Well, I think this story is a lot like that. We are just minding our business. We're cruising to the end of this parable, the end of this story, and we're like, oh my gosh, the forgive and forgive. That's, that's nice. But did you catch those last couple verses? Sneaky hot. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Oh. 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 Jesus? Yeah, this is red letters here, folks. Huh, nice, sweet Jesus, the forgive and forgive, hashtag forgive. Like, this sounds so good until, oh, that's what my heavenly father will do. Jesus right here is saying that your relationships with people are tied to your relationships with God. Let me say this again in a different way. We cannot separate our relationship with God from our relationships with people. I've seen a lot of people come to faith and, and they really never kind of figure out how to engage with people. Maybe they're broken. They've got pain as a big part of their past. Uh, they've, they've got a lot of reasons to justify how they interact with the rest of the world. And yet they want to say, me and Jesus are good. These verses are saying that you actually can't be good with Jesus 
if all your relationships with the people in your life are busted. Isn't that powerful? If I were to ask you, if I were to ask anybody, what is most valuable to you? My bass boat. No. If I were to ask you what's most valuable, what would, what would you say? What would anybody say? They're going to say my family and my friends, unless they're just nuts. But if it comes down to it, wouldn't you say that most people would, would answer in, with some answer like that? My family, my friends. Well, if everybody that you know would answer that the thing most valuable to them is their family and friends, how come we're all so broken? How come if I were to ask each of you to just go out maybe one degree in your family and maybe within your own home, you might have animosity with one of your own children right now, maybe all of them because it's Sunday morning. I've tried to get three little kids to church. I'd sell them all. Leave them at another church. Say, you, your kids' ministry can have them. I'll pick them up later. You might have animosity right now with one of your kids. You might have animosity right now with one of your parents. There might be a distance right now that you cannot quite see beyond between you and your spouse today. You might have trouble with a sibling. I've been there. Right now, I guarantee you, if you were to explain your family story right now, I guarantee there's brokenness somewhere in it really close to you, maybe directly involving you. Does that sound right? Yeah. So if, every, if our people are so valuable to us, how can there be this much brokenness? How can so many families be shattered and torn when if you were to ask every person in those families, what's the most valuable thing to you? And they'd say, my people. How can we be this broken when it's so important to us? Because hurting people, have you ever heard that hurting people hurt people? And I've seen this play out. The damage that's happened to me, the hurts that play out in my life are often the same things that I do to the people that I care about. Or I'm overcompensating for how I was treated one way by a parent or a person, and then I can end up damaging the opposite way, right? This is what we do. We're figuring this thing out. So how can we prevent damage, which I think is pretty important, but how can we repair what's broken? Well, if you go to Sunday school, kids ministry, you learn real quick that the answer, your safest answer is always Jesus or love. Well, yeah, we need Jesus's help. Yes, love is what motivates us. For you to want to repair a relationship, that can only come from the motivation of love, right? If you've been hurt by somebody, the only thing driving you to want that restored is really going to be love. Well, here's a question for you. How did God fix our relationship with him? How did God fix our relationship with him? You're telling me there was something wrong with it? Yeah. We broke it. And we break it all the time by not trusting him, by, by going to other things, by going against his word and the things that, that he says is the best for us and brings life into our lives. When we go outside of his best for us, it's called sin. And it's basically anything that isn't God's will for our lives. We've got a broken relationship with him, and how did he fix it? 
Well, if you watch a sporting event, you'll see somebody holding up a sign somewhere near the front edge that says what? John 3, 16. Usually a verse maybe a lot of us know. We say, well, God loved the world, so there's love in there. He sent his only son. But why did God specifically send Jesus to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Have you ever asked yourself that? Have your kids ever asked you that? Why did Jesus have to die? He died for the what? The forgiveness of our, of our sins. Huh. So we had a broken relationship with Father God. How did he set up the path for that to be unraveled? He made forgiveness possible. He sent his son to pay a price for our failures, our mistakes. You're like, well, I didn't do anything to hurt God. Actually, according to his word, a lot of what you've done hurts God. And that's all of us. We're all in the same boat. And so God knew that to fix our relationship with him, he had to start with forgiveness. He had to make it possible. And so that verse says that anybody that would believe in Jesus Christ, Lord, I need you to save me from my sin. Because as soon as we've been forgiven, then we can have what? We can have our relationship back with God. So forgiveness is how we prevent damage. And forgiveness is how we repair what's broken. If you have a broken relationship in your life right now, I can't tell you any other way to do it. This book says that that relationship is going to come back together only one way, and that's through the door of forgiveness. But the good news is that God made a way for it. The forgiven forgive. Why is it so hard to do? Why is forgiveness so hard? I think there's a few reasons. One is, I think we don't understand it. I'll talk to people about forgiving and I'll see somebody locked up in, in pain and, and hurt over what somebody has done to them. And we're talking legitimate hurt, legitimate pain. Somebody has absolutely wronged them in some of the most terrible ways. And yet it's still up to us to begin the path to healing by opening up our hearts to forgiveness. And so we start to think, well, if I forgive somebody, then I'm telling them what they did is okay. And it's not okay. And it took me 10 visits with a therapist to agree that it's not okay. No, that's not what we're saying. It's not minimizing what that person did. If anything, it should only magnify that they really wronged you, and that makes the forgiveness all the more valuable. You don't minimize the pain of what somebody did to you. What else do we think it is? Well, it means that i got to be somebody's best friend. Can I tell you that there are people that I've had a hard time with, and I'm not in any hurry to go out to dinner with them? I'm not going to sit in the open seat next to them on, the, on a bus or in a stadium or whatever else. I just don't like them. Can I say that? But what's important is that I have released them from the pain that they've caused me. And, and then when I would see that person over the years and, and how I could tell in my heart that I had set them free through forgiveness is how I felt when I saw them. Either if I, wanted, if I stopped wanting to hurt them 
if I stopped wanting to throw up and run the other way. And then all of a sudden it's like, because you know what it's like to run into somebody that you've had a huge deal with and how awkward it is. One of the ways you know you've experienced freedom on your end from that is the next time you see him, it's like, eh, your heart rate doesn't go up. You know what it feels like when you get around somebody that you've had a lot of trouble with. You're like, oh, you get all jacked up inside. Well, all of a sudden you'll come around him again. It's like, eh, I saw so-and-so. I saw so-and-so at the store today. Here's the other thing. We think, well, that means I got to forget about it because God says that he forgets our sin. Can you say thank you, Jesus? He truly does when he forgives you. That's amazing. If I really stop and think about it, I can still list the big hurts in my life. It's not about forgetting. If anything, when you remember some of the pain that you've been through and forgiven, it's really just another part of your testimony of God's grace moving in your life and saying, God set me free from this pain. I don't think we should forget about it. Because when you remember that grace that you've extended to somebody else, it can help you with the next time somebody messes with you. Here's what it is. So I talked about owing money, and that's, I think this is just the best correlation to it when, when somebody owes us something. If you borrow money on a car and you get, uh, nowadays they do all the titles digitally, but in the day you'd get a copy of your title, but then in the middle of that title it would have what's called a lien. Anybody heard that or seen that word before? And same thing, if you owe money on your house and something happens to your house, guess what? They're going to pay the person who the money's owed to first, right? And so you have a lien holder, somebody who really owns the property until you pay it off. Thank you, Jesus. And the few times in my life where I've owned a car long enough to actually pay it off, and next thing you know, you get that copy of the title, and it says lien canceled. There's nobody holding on to it saying, you still owe me for this. And so we think about this, we think about forgiveness all on the other person. Can I tell you that forgiveness is really just you letting your end of it go? You choosing forgiveness is not about them getting off the hook. God is still going to deal with the pain and the junk in their life. You're just taking yourself out of the judge's seat. You're taking yourself out of the jury seat. You're taking yourself out of the position that says, I got to make sure this person gets what's coming to them. Another way to look at this is when you have a hurt from another person, imagine a chain. Imagine you've got a big, like a latch, a latch right here. You've got a, something you've padlocked, and you've got that loop, and the padlock goes through there, and you chain that to it. And so every time you have a hurt with somebody, you picture a chain going from that person to you. And people that are tied up with hurt and pain, that's why they can't move. That's why they can't function. They've got all these chains going around them to a thousand different people or maybe just a few really big chains to a few really big hurts. You're not letting the other person free from the other end of the chain when you forgive. You're setting yourself free from your end of the chain. That's what forgiveness does for you. So number one, we don't understand it. And God wants us to know that it's not about minimizing. It's not about getting to this place where you're just going to be buddy-buddy with these people. I've gotten to the place, with, especially with family and close friends where there's been pain, I've gone full circle to where I, the relationship has been fully restored. 
There's been other people that have come after me to, and, and ruined, tried to ruin my life that I've just had to come to a place of healing, set them free. And I really, by God's grace, really don't want to have anything to do with them again. And I don't think I have to. Now, if this is another brother or sister in the Lord, but you ever had your feelings hurt in a church? No. No, never. Well, guess what? If you go to church with more than yourself, that means there's more people in the room, and you're going to have some hurt feelings at some point. And sometimes people move on, and so I even think, you know what? I'm going to worship with them in heaven. God bless them, release them. I don't need to walk side by side. There could be some people that are toxic to your life that you might need to keep a boundary up and say, I just can't let this person in too close. And it could be good advice. I would suggest you get counsel from somebody that's walked with the Lord a while before you put somebody into that category where you just say, you know what? I just got to keep this person at a distance, and that just might be the way it is. And that's okay. But you have set that chain free from your end. So number one, we have a hard time with forgiveness because we don't understand it. Number two, we don't think it's fair. They did it. They need to burn. I'm pretty sure if you read half the Psalms in here, it's David calling down airstrikes from heaven on the people that wronged him. Lord, could you please cause my enemy to fall into a pit, fill it, with oil, fill it with oil, and set it on fire? That would be great. Thank you, Jesus. And by the way, just love what you're doing in my life. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, the, the, the Psalms is full of David praying airstrike prayers. Lord, roast them. Get them. <laughs> we don't think it's fair. Here's the thing. You can only give what you have received. Let me say that again. You can only give away what you have received. This is why Jesus tells that story. Because it's so easy for us to look at other people and make their junk look, smell, and sound worse than our own. This person did this to me. Yes, that is terrible. But in that same voice, you're also saying, I might be like not a great person, but I'm not as bad as that person. And that always makes us feel a little bit better. And we can always say, you know what? This person, yeah, they're really terrible. Well, unfortunately for us, the Bible says we've all sinned and all of our sins are just as equally repulsive to the Lord. Sorry, that's... Not sorry, that's what it says. I can only say what's in here. And so that's why Jesus opens up with this story, because if you will walk in the light of understanding and appreciating that God has forgiven your millions, this is why Jesus tells the story. Because if we will walk in the knowledge and remembering, and that's part of why we do communion, it's to remember that we've been forgiven our millions. And when you can walk around in that context, then it helps you have grace for all the jokers in your life. Lord, you've given me mercy. Lord, you've, you've given me mercy. 
Through the cross, you took away your rights, your lien on my life. You canceled the debt of death for my sins. Oh my goodness, thank you, Jesus. And when we can remember that, when we can really appreciate what we've been forgiven of, then it helps us forgive others. We forgive because we've been forgiven. You're not going to get there any other way. That's why the forgive and forgive. But if you forget that you've been forgiven, you're going to have an awful hard time forgiving. little Dr. Seuss there for you. So number one, we don't understand it. Number two, we don't think it's fair. Number three, we don't think we can do it. And I'm not going to tell you you can. Because you actually cannot forgive on your own. Forgiveness comes out of a type of love that can only come as a result of walking with Jesus. You can only give away what you've been given from him. You can only pass it on what you've pass on what you've already been given. And so a, a great scripture that people use for sports and everything else comes out of Philippians 4:13. It says, "For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength." Well, guess what's a little more important than a touchdown pass? Which I love athletes giving God all the glory for what happens on the field. Class acts, beautiful, beautiful, and you see it, and it's it's a wonderful testimony. I think forgiveness rings heaven's bells a little bit more than a touchdown. I love sports, I love what happens, I love the enjoyment of it and, and, and all of that. But if I forgive, I have given heaven's mercy away to somebody else. And Jesus, this right here, the Apostle Paul says, I can do everything through Christ. If you're looking at the mountain of unforgiveness in your life and you're seeing what it's attached to and the pain and the pile of hurt that's attached to that, and you said, I can't forgive that. You're right. You can't. On your own. But if you will give that mountain of pain, if you will give the person who wounded you over to Jesus, if you will give Jesus your heart, salvation isn't just about receiving his forgiveness and and a get out of hell free card. It's about experiencing him rescuing you from everything and he doesn't just want to rescue you from eternal damnation he wants to rescue you from the chains attached to other people here and now he wants you to experience life he wants you to experience freedom and the hurt may be real but you are staying in a prison as long as that unforgiveness stays in your heart and so through Jesus we can forgive. What does forgiveness look like? Can I, can I tell you honestly what we want it to look like? What do you want it to look like? Or that person, or persons, or the entire church that you just left, they come running to you, and they fall at their feet, and they say, we have sinned against you. 
We are terrible people. I have wronged you. I am so sorry. I am the lowest of the lowest of scum, and you are the greatest of greatest of people, and I beg you for your forgiveness today. I'm exaggerating, but isn't that what we would like to happen? You want your spouse to just be, oh, I get it. I'm sorry I'm a jerk. I'm so sorry. You want your kids just stand in a row. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the little bit of attitude I gave you. Oh, I just, oh, it just hurts my heart to know that I hurt you, mama. That's how we want it to play out. How does it really play out? Can I tell you that most of the people that you are holding a hurt from aren't even thinking about the hurt they caused you? And doesn't that hurt even more? So you want them to realize they hurt you. You want them to feel the pain of what they did. And then you want them to apologize. And you still want some bad things to happen to them because of it. (laughs) The reality is so many people are just moving on with their life. Or if they're really bad people, they're on to hurting other people. And then here you are just hanging on to your pain from it. So that's the reality. You're not, you're not going to, I'm going to say almost never. Hopefully if you're in a good marriage, you'll get a good, honest apology every five years. So if that's the reality, how do we walk this out? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 and in Luke 6, we hear these amazing, amazing words that, again, are only possible because of Jesus working it out in us. He says to pray for those who persecute you and to bless your enemies. Man! Let me say that again. To pray for those who persecute you and to bless your enemies. Now, I put an asterisk next to, asterisk next to pray for them because I think all of our prayers for the people that hurt us do start out David style. Lord, can you just roast them? Can you send an extra sizzling piece of lightning just right up their tailpipe? Like, that'd just be fantastic. I might not get asked back. (laughs) I think your prayers for these people are going to start in that category. But, and this is why the Bible tells us to pray for everything. Because every time you take something to God, do you know what you're doing? You're trusting him with the outcome of that concern. Every time you take that hurt, that person that caused you pain, every time you take that to the throne of heaven, you are just exercising the placement of it into the hands of God. God, would you fry them? And then at some point, Lord, would you just... At some point you realize, oh my gosh, for this person to do this means that They were probably treated poorly. Do you know what's happened in that moment when you have that thought? You are now in the place of mercy towards that person. 
Are you minimizing what they did to you? Are you letting them off the hook? Are you telling them that you want to be best friends? Nope. All of a sudden, you've made an allowance that this person is just really a broken person and they need Jesus to heal them. And so your prayers, hopefully, over time, move from airstrike prayers to, God, they need you. And then at some point, you actually stop focusing on them. And so the Lord says to pray for them. This is how we release people. Because we can't just release. I, I can't just undo the hurt somebody caused me like a light switch. I'm, I'm, I'm a human. I am flesh and blood. I'm full of emotions, full of feelings. I can be offended just like anybody else. I can't just say, ah, that didn't happen. That's crazy. Ah, go ahead. <laughs> nope. We turn it over to God. We, we pray for them. This is how we release them. Every time we pray, we're releasing. And then the Lord says, bless them. When you get to the place, this is how you know if you still have unforgiveness towards somebody. Here's a quick test. If you were to find out that something bad happened to that person, would you kind of be like, yeah. Well, they've been cruising. My mom, anybody's mom say cruising for a bruising? Is that like, does that still exist? You're like, oh, they got what's coming. Let me ask it a different way. If you hear something really good happening to somebody that has hurt you in the past, do you be like, man, they don't deserve that? If you celebrate in somebody's pain and you're disappointed with somebody's blessing, then you have unforgiveness towards them. If that hurts your feelings, you just got to know it. That means there's still something there. Because blessing them is how you know that you have released them to the Lord. Because when you find out, and this has happened in my life, I've, I've had people well, had people try to get me fired at a church, and, and it was just terrible. And I was praying airstrike prayers, and then at some point I found out that, that that couple was having a hard time in their marriage. And I remember my immediate thought was, man, they need Jesus. Lord, would you... Would you rescue them? And I knew in that moment that I'd been set free from the pain that they had caused me. They never apologized to me. They never, ever came to me and said, oh, we were terrible people. They never did. And yet I can remember hearing that they were having trouble in their marriage. And I said, dear Jesus, I pray they don't fall apart. Friends, I could only get there because I'd been talking to Jesus about them when they hurt me. And I prayed for them. And then I prayed that they would be blessed. The forgiven forgive. What would your life look like Maybe just close your eyes for a second. Like I said, if I were to ask you, I bet each one of your families, each one of your, maybe a relationship, a friend that you're not as close to, we all have brokenness in our life. Or there's one real close to us that's affecting our life. What would your life look like if it was full of forgiveness 
and mercy. What could your house feel like if mercy began to run rampant through the house? The crazy thing is about mercy is it's waiting on who will go first. And we don't want to budge until somebody else gives us mercy. And this is why the Lord Jesus tells this story this morning. God already showed you mercy. You don't need to wait for somebody else to show you mercy. God has shown you mercy. You have been forgiven millions. And just because of the mercy shown to you by God is enough for you to give mercy to the people in your life. With heads bowed this morning, I just want to close with a couple questions. How's your relationship with God today? Are you good? Well, around this room and online today, if you realize that you're not right with Jesus today, oh, he wants to be right with you. His forgiveness is available right now. In this moment, if you're ready to be made right with Jesus, would you raise your hand and say, I need your forgiveness, God. I want to be able to have my relationship back with you. I see that hand. God bless you. Reach towards heaven today. Say, God, I I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I'm broken. A simple prayer goes like this. If you're with us online, we want to know that you're responding to Jesus. A simple prayer goes like this. It's, God, I'm broken. Our relationship's bad, and it's my fault. I'm I'm outside of of what you have for me, and I know it. So, Father God, would you forgive me? Would you come into my heart? I choose to make you Lord and Savior of my life today. And because of your forgiveness, I can have a relationship with you. The Bible says immediately you're restored as the status of son or daughter. And the whole kingdom of heaven celebrates with you coming back to a, a, a living relationship with the God who created you. If you made that decision, we want to follow up with you. Another question today, how is your relationship with others as we close? Where's the pain? Where's the brokenness? It could be something you've done to somebody else. It could be a whole lot of something that's been done to you. And you could be waiting for that person to come on their hands and knees, begging for forgiveness from you. You've been waiting. You've been waiting weeks, months, years, decades. Jesus says, I'll take it. I'll unlock that chain from your heart if you'll release it to me. All around this room, would the Holy Spirit just lead you into maybe recognizing a relationship that you've got unforgiveness in? And you said, Jesus, by your strength, I'm going to choose forgiveness and I'm going to choose freedom. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship, where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today and hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.